You're listening to the American Journal of Perinatology podcast, hosted by Dr. Bill Goodnight and Dr. Chris Robinson. Each month, we take an in-depth look at a paper published in the American Journal of Perinatology. To find out more about the journal and to read this month's highlighted paper, go to www.tima.com forward slash AJP or check out our Facebook and Twitter pages. Today it is my privilege to welcome Dr. Joshua Nietzsche, Assistant Professor of Maternal Fetal Medicine at the Wake Forest School of Medicine, on behalf of his co-authors to the American Journal of Perinatology podcast series. Today we will discuss their current manuscript, Transplacental Passage of Acetaminophen in Term Pregnancy. Acetaminophen use in pregnancy is very common, partially due to the historically favorable safety profile. Recent literature has suggested an association between acetaminophen exposure in pregnancy and a risk of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Other series have also suggested a weak association of acetaminophen use with neonatal drug-induced liver injury and asthma in childhood. Acetaminophen use at therapeutic doses has not been associated with fetal malformations and among other pain medications in pregnancy appears to again have a very safe user profile. Despite widespread use, there remains a paucity of data regarding placental transfer of acetaminophen. In this study, the authors examined the maternal and fetal pharmacokinetic profile of acetaminophen after a therapeutic dose. 34 patients who were admitted for a scheduled cesarean delivery were included in this study. Prior to the cesarean delivery, they were given a single oral 1,000 milligram dose of acetaminophen and maternal blood and cord blood were obtained at the time of delivery. The pharmacokinetic parameters measured included the maximum concentration, the area under the curve, the volume of distribution, and the apparent clearance of acetaminophen. Overall, maternal and fetal pharmacokinetics were highly correlated. The maternal acetaminophen half-life was noted to be 84 minutes, and the apparent clearance was noted to be 28.8 liters per hour, with the fetal half-life noted to be 82 minutes, and the apparent clearance noted to be 31.2 liters per hour. The peak acetaminophen concentrations were similar in the mother, 12.3 micrograms per milliliter, and in the fetus, 11.2 micrograms per milliliter. The time to peak concentrations were similar in both the fetus and the mother. Given the above findings, the authors suggest that placental transfer is influenced by the rate of blood flow, flow limited, and not by transporters in the placenta, also known as diffusion limited. In addition, given the similar pharmacokinetic profiles, the authors suggest that maternal levels can be used to estimate fetal levels. Dr. Nietzsche, thank you very much for joining us today on this podcast series. Well, thank you for having me. Can you briefly discuss sort of with our listeners what some of the motivations you had for doing this study? Yes, originally it actually came out of some basic science studies done in sheep that demonstrated that prostaglandins have a particularly strong influence on fetal movement inside the uterus and conversely, antagonists such as uh, acetaminophen should encourage fetal movement. But around the same time as I was doing the research in that area, a study came out linking maternal use of acetaminophen in pregnancy to attention deficit hyperactivity disorders and similar issues. 
So that kind of renewed the interest or augmented the interest in this area even further. Can you briefly discuss some of the current literature regarding concerns about maternal exposure of acetaminophen and fetal outcomes or childhood outcomes? Sure. The most well-known is probably the Dutch study that I referred to linking maternal acetaminophen use with ADHD. However, there's also been some studies showing an association between maternal acetaminophen use and drug-induced liver injury as well as childhood asthma. I should note also that the associations with all of these disorders, including ADHD, liver injury, and asthma, is not a clear, firm link from one to the other. I think it just demonstrates a possible association there that warrants further study. Certainly. It seems that most of these are retrospective or population-based studies, and they struggle with the difference between causation and association. Correct. And in the majority of the studies I've referenced to also, the dosing and frequency of the Tylenol or the acetaminophen administration is not always known. It's just whether or not the women use Tylenol during pregnancy. As you point out in your paper, I think we're all fairly aware of how frequently acetaminophen is suggested as a pain medication for minor pain relief during pregnancy. And it's amazing how little information there is about exactly how it crosses the placenta and its pharmacokinetics. Yes, that was something we also noted when, you know, kind of preparing for and doing the study. As you mentioned, acetaminophen is the most widely used pain reliever in pregnancy. There's various registries of, you know, tens of thousands of women in them looking into the potential fetal effect of acetaminophen. You know, I was shocked to find the very little done out there to assess acetaminophen's, you know, transit across the placenta levels achieved in the fetus, things of that nature. In fact, there had really only been one other experimental study looking at this. The other information out there was case reports of maternal drug overdoses with Tylenol and demonstrating, in some cases, fetal levels, but not in a really controlled environment as we attempted to do. So without uh, necessarily turning us all into pharmacologists, can you briefly touch on some of the primary mechanisms for how medications or substances will get across the placenta? Sure. There's several different ways. There's just by simple diffusion across the placenta cells and membranes. There's facilitated transport, active transport, and then finally endocytosis and exocytosis across the membranes. The simple diffusion generally restricted to lipophilic molecules that can cross membranes easily. It's not exactly known for a case in the case of Tylenol or acetaminophen how it traverses the placenta. From our studies, it looks as though it's likely through some form of diffusion, either simple or facilitated, due to the fact that the number the levels equilibrate rather rapidly from other fetus although further study is needed to confirm that. Can you describe the pharmacokinetic measures you used in this study and how are they picked and how you use those to determine the potential fetal implications of the maternal acetaminophen use? Mm -hmm. Sure. The pharmacokinetic analysis that is done is pretty standard. It's nothing fancy we did. If one were a a pharmacologist like one of my co-authors, Dr. Patil, it's basically, you know, second nature to do these sort of things. We look at the volume of distribution to see in which compartments the medication spreads into, the clearance as well, get looking to see how rapidly the levels decline after administration. And then area under the curve is the one that's typically used as a 
descriptor of how much active medication or how much drug is available after administration to affect you know, various biological processes. In this study, you gave patients who were getting ready for a scheduled cesarean delivery, a thousand milligram single dose of acetaminophen, and then just check them at check the levels at the time of delivery. How did you select that dose and the timing of the medication? A thousand milligrams or two extra strength tabs is the rather typical dose that's taken for a mild to moderate pain. So that's why we chose that. The timing from administration to delivery and assessment of the serum levels of acetaminophen in both mother and baby was more a matter of convenience. As many in the audience will know, it's not always possible to precisely determine or plan when a C-section is going to occur because of the various other things that can happen on labor and delivery. We would give medicine, the acetaminophen, to women when they arrived and then just record the time that elapsed from arrival to delivery. When we accumulated enough data points, we tried more specifically to get longer and or shorter intervals depending on the sort of time points we needed based on an interim analysis. You kind of look at that to make sure that you're not missing the peak and finding right. a good path to when it sort of gets down to a very lower kind of undetectable level or? Correct. Like, for example, you know, in the beginning, we had lots of early time points within 30 minutes, within 60 minutes. We needed further out time points like 90 minutes, two hours, et cetera. And we would, you know, approach women that were scheduled for C-sections later in the day and upon arrival would give them the acetaminophen so that we anticipated longer time periods passing from administration to delivery. Are there other factors that could potentially influence the acetaminophen levels in the fetus, such as mom's prior acetaminophen use, mom's BMI, or racial ethnic variations? Probably the one, the one that comes to my attention first hearing that list would be the mom's prior exposure to acetaminophen. There's known differences in the pharmacokinetics of acetaminophen in, say, chronic users versus relatively acetaminophen-naive subjects. So that's one thing that should be taken into account. In our present study, we didn't have any chronic acetaminophen users, and the women, if they had had acetaminophen within 48 hours of her delivery, they were not eligible. So we tried to factor that out a little bit in our study, but that's one thing that could be looked at. Obviously, maternal BMI would be an issue that would change the volume of distribution. That's, again, something we tried to control for by somewhat restricting the weight of women that were enrolled. Potentially, there would be issues with you know, lower drug levels in women of higher BMI that would need to be taken into account in assessing fetal exposure. So can you summarize what the most important findings in your study were? I think one of the more meaningful aspects of this paper is just that, that it's being done that, um, as you mentioned kind of in the beginning of the podcast, this is a medicine that's used very frequently, but not very much is known about it, you know, on a basic science and, you know, pharmacokinetic level. I think the fact that it's shedding light on a commonly used medication, that it's demonstrating how information can be helpful in that area, and that the gaps we currently have in understanding the placental pharmacokinetics of commonly used medications is an issue that should be addressed. I think it, our study will serve as hopefully a, a springboard or starting point for more detailed investigations into the pharmacokinetics, and that should help you know, clinicians uh, better understand what level of maternal 
acetaminophen exposure relates to in terms of fetal exposure and how that might impact you know, fetal well-being in the short term and in the long term. It seems that your study highlights that the fetal levels of acetaminophen very closely mirror what the maternal levels of acetaminophen are after administration. Mm-hmm. I can think of several implications for that. How similar is this to most medications in pregnancy? And you know, how do you use how do we use that information, you know, in further research or in association with how that might affect the fetus? The main implication of the very closely parallel maternal and fetal concentrations kind of reflects that, as I mentioned earlier, that there is likely, again, more studies need to be done to firmly conclude this, that the acetaminophen appears to rapidly traverse the placenta, suggesting that it's more of just a flow-limited sort of pharmacokinetic pattern, suggesting that a process such as diffusion or simple diffusion or facilitated diffusion is at work because often if there's transporters involved or other mechanisms, there is sometimes a time lag between the levels of maternal levels rising and the fetal levels rising because of the time that is needed to actively move the molecule in question uh, from one compartment to the next. How that relates to other medicines out there, as I've mentioned, not a whole lot of medicines are studied in terms of their placental pharmacokinetics, but the ones that have been done can be all over in terms of how the time course of the maternal rise of drug corresponds to the fetal rise in the drug. In your discussion in the paper, you describe that the level of acetaminophen is one important factor, but as with other medications, it may be a metabolite or an end product of the medication that could have a differential implication for fetal effects or toxicity. Can you touch base on that as to how you think it might relate to acetaminophen and how, obviously that wasn't a point of this study, but how do you look at that for future studies? I think the metabolite assessment is particularly important for acetaminophen because the information that's out there makes it quite clear that the toxicity is associated with acetaminophen overdose or misuse is not due to the acetaminophen itself, but rather accumulation of the toxic metabolite and acetyl P-benzoquinone-imine, or NAPQI for short. And it's that's the medicine that leads to toxic liver damage if accumulated in sufficient quantities after excessive acetaminophen doses. So although knowing the acetaminophen levels themselves in the mother and fetus is helpful, because generally the acetaminophen levels correlate with the NAPQI levels, there are certain situations where that would not be true. So understanding better the NAPQI levels would be a more precise measure or a, a closer measure of the risk of toxicity to the fetus or to the mother. So I think it's important to take the toxicity associated with the agent in question and understand the biochemistry of it to better target the offending molecule in assessing toxicity. So it sounds like a next good study for you. Yeah, correct. So we talked about how we might assess the metabolite pharmacokinetics from this or other medication exposures. How will the data from your study be used for further research or to further direct how we use acetaminophen in pregnancy? I think at this point our findings are, and I don't think it's appropriate to alter current clinical care as a result of this one study. But I think, as you've already alluded to, the obvious next step is to assess 
NAPQI levels. Other things that this study may spur is assessment of the various things that can affect metabolism of acetaminophen into its toxic metabolites. There's known genetic polymorphisms that make some individuals more or less susceptible to acetaminophen toxicity. And as a result of these polymorphisms, many have to do with the glutathione pathway that is known to eliminate NAFQI. Some people have more robust glutathione antioxidant machinery than others that can protect some from acetaminophen. So understanding the other factors that might tie in acetaminophen toxicity would also be important, and that can be extended to you know, drugs beyond acetaminophen, such as, you know, commonly used antibiotics, commonly used opiates, and other, you know, the list goes on and on of things that can be studied in this fashion. So obviously the studies that you alluded to earlier regarding association of acetaminophen use and ADHD in children have caught the attention of the news and patients. Your study obviously didn't directly address these issues, but if there's a practicing OB provider who's reading your study and looking at it in the context of those, what should their, those other studies, what should their takeaway be, you know, at this point from your study in the context of other information? It helps put, for example, the ADH study in context. As I mentioned, there wasn't any data given on the extent or the frequency of uh, the acetaminophen use in many of those studies. One concern that would come to mind is since the levels in the fetus had not been investigated, one of the potential causes or links from acetaminophen use to these disorders would be that levels could conceivably have been much higher based on weight in the fetus than in the mother for a variety of, of reasons. That if there was significantly more acetaminophen exposure to the fetus than one would predict for the mother, that might be a potential scientific link between the disorders in question and acetaminophen use. But for example, our study suggests that the levels are about the same, so that the mother and baby are receiving a similar per weight dose, and that if used as prescribed, it shouldn't uh, lead to any excessive levels of acetaminophen exposure that would in turn lead to more oxidative damage from NAPQI. Dr. Nietzsche, thank you very much for joining us today. We look forward to seeing your manuscript out in print in the very near future. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That was the American Journal of Perinatology podcast. Thank you for listening. To find out more and to read this month's highlighted paper, go to www.tima.com forward slash AJP or check out our Facebook and Twitter pages. If you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on iTunes and join us next time when we will discuss another paper from the pages of the American Journal of Perinatology.